Thank you, worship team. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, talking about faith or taking up the shield of faith. We had just kind of mentioned earlier in the uh, early service that Pastor Kerry really does like cookies. And um, since we don't have our Hunter's Expo this year, and we usually ask people to make cookies and all that kind of fun stuff, um, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. So if, if you really want to still make cookies and bring them in for Pastor Kerry, I know he would really appreciate your, uh, your gift of, of, of cookies. Uh, I'm on a cookie restriction now, so I'm not able to have them. But uh, if you want, just load him up. He would really, really appreciate it. Well, I want to begin with a question this morning. The question is this. If you had to guess... What do you think is the most common command in Scripture? If you had to guess what it is, what is the most frequent instruction God gives to the human race? It's kind of really interesting. When you think about it, it's not be more loving. Even though the great command is love God, love others, the command most often given in Scripture is not be more loving. Uh, it's not about sexual integrity or walking in the truth, even though those are really important thoughts and things. The most common command given in all of Scripture is two words. It's fear not. Fear not. Now, fear is universal. Everyone deals with this. Everyone wrestles with this. All of us are born with a set of instinctive fears. Maybe it's the fear of public speaking, speaking in front of an audience. Maybe it's uh, those packages that say some assembly required from like Ikea or something. People are afraid of those kinds of deal. Maybe it's a falling or a fear of the dark or a fear of lobsters, a falling on lobsters in the dark. Maybe that's kind of the fear that you have. But we all wrestle with fear. And fear is not necessarily always bad. There's kind of a good fear that helps us survive. Good fear teaches us to respect appropriate boundaries. Good fear alerts us to real dangers. It keeps kids from touching hot stoves, running out into traffic. But then there's bad fears. Bad fear paralyzes us from doing what we ought to do. Bad fear is kind of a distorted fear. It's exaggerated. It's out of touch with reality. Sense of worry or anxiety. So there's good fear and bad fear, but for the most part, I believe the number of commands in Scripture suggests that fear, as it's most commonly experienced by most of us, is not a good thing. And over and over in the Bible, it is fear that threatens to keep people from trusting and obeying God. Over and over in Scripture, there are two kinds of mindsets laid out as possibilities for you and I. One is based on faith. You can trust God. You can trust that God's goodness and power are sufficient for your life, and you can live with a sense of relaxed confidence in Him. There's the mindset of faith, or you can live in fear that I'm all on my own, unless I'm real careful and cautious, something really bad will happen to me and I'm not going to be able to handle it. 
So you can learn to live by faith or learn to live by fear. And we live with this illusion that it's the circumstances that I face, the difficult situation that I am that produces fear in me. But I believe Scripture teaches this is not the case because over and over again in the Bible, two different sets of people will face the same situation and come up with different responses. For instance, Moses sends 12 scouts to explore the promised land. Ten of them come back and say, yeah, the land is great, but the enemies, those who are opposed to God, are so powerful, we can never overcome them. We can't trust God. We should just go home. Two of the scouts, Joshua and Caleb, look at the same land, same enemies, and they say we should go to the promised land for certainly we will be able to possess it with God's help. A young shepherd boy named David brought supplies to his brothers who are serving in the army, and there he sees what they all see, the great champion of the enemies of the people of God named Goliath. And Goliath is a character right out of the World Wrestling Federation. And he goes out and mocks God day after day after day. All the soldiers see him, and they're too terrified to challenge him. David sees him and goes after him with a slingshot. Same enemy. Jesus and his disciples are in a boat one day, and the storm comes up, and the disciples are so scared, they start screaming in panic. Jesus, in the same boat, takes a nap. In all these stories, many others like them, two sets of people in Scripture face the exact same situation. Scout the same promised land, look at the same enemy, endure the same storm. Some respond with peace, others with panic. Some with faith, some with fear. What's the difference? It's not the situation. It's not the circumstances. It's the mindset. If I had to put it in a single word, it'd be the word perspective. And the most important determinant of whether you live in faith or whether you live in fear is your perspective. Your perspective makes all the difference. Perspective determines how we respond to things. And the single most common command in all the Bible is the command to live in the mindset of faith, not the mindset of fear. Now, all throughout the course of this sermon series, We have seen orders to to follow God, that we are to stand, that we're to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, that we are to clothe ourselves with the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6, 10, 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And today, as it was read, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Paul says, take up the shield of faith. Now, a lot of times when you and I think of a shield, we think of what's often referred to as a buckler shield. We think of a small round shield, a shield like Captain America's shield. 
The shield that Paul is referring to does not look like that. It wasn't round-shaped. It is a rectangular-shaped shield. It is almost a door-shaped shield, two and a half feet wide, four feet long. It was a rather large shield. It was large enough that a Roman soldier could crouch behind the shield so that it would cover his entire body. The shield was made to withstand all kinds of ammunition from the enemy as they went into battle. It was made of three layers of wood that was overlapped and then covered in leather, lined around the edges with metal so that it wouldn't fray or tear apart. And then before they would go into battle, they'd take the shields and they'd dip them in water so that when flaming arrows and spears came at them, it would put out the flame and they would be able to deflect the missiles from enemy soldiers as they move forward and win the battle. That's the shield. And the shield really served two basic functions. It served both as their protection, which is pretty obvious, but it was also a part of the honor of the soldier, a symbol of their allegiance. Because on the front of the shield, there would be the coat of arms or the symbol for the legion as they're marching into battle. And it was part of a soldier's honor that he would hang on to that shield that he would never lose it. There's a story that comes from the Spartan Wars where a Spartan mother told her son, carry your shield or be carried back on it. Lovely words from mother. (laughs) But carry your shield or be carried back on it. In other words, don't you leave the battle. Don't you defect. Don't you run away. Don't you retreat. You either stand fast with your shield or keep carried back on it. You know, in the same way, for the Christian, the shield of faith, our faith, is both our protection and it is our demonstration of our loyalty to God. Our faith is what identifies us as believers in Christ. And our faith is absolutely essential to becoming overcomers of this world. So that's the shield. And I think it's also helpful for us to understand, to think about what faith is. What do we mean when we say faith? Because a lot of people, when they think about faith, they think of the phrase blind faith or a leap of faith. Maybe one of the best illustrations of this is from the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. There's this scene where Indy is after the Holy Grail And he's in this cave, and he comes to a place where between him and the chamber where the Holy Grail is kept, there's this vast chasm in front of him. And there's no bridge evident. There's no way to get across. But he's been given a clue, and the clue goes like this. Only with a leap from the lion's head will he prove his worth. And so he decides, well, it's a leap of faith, just a leap of faith. So he just steps out over the chasm. And when he puts his foot down, he realizes there's an invisible bridge. A lot of people think that's what faith is. They think it's just leaping into nothing. It's a leap of faith, a blind faith. Faith, according to the scriptures, is not blind. Faith is defined by its object. And the object of our faith is God himself, especially as revealed through Jesus, his son. So when we're talking about faith, we're not talking about blind faith. 
We're talking rather about believing loyalty to God himself. And we exercise the shield of faith, or we take up the shield of faith when we respond to God with our full loyalty, our trust, our faith in him. To give our loyalty, trust, and faith to anything other than God is to live a life of fear. And fear keeps people from living a risky, obedient followership with God. God always calls people to put their, his, their faith in him. God reveals himself to Abraham. Leave your home, go with your wife, Sarah. And as an old man, you're going to give birth to a son and become the father of a nation. But you're going to have to leave everything familiar and comfortable. You'll have to trust me. God revealed himself to Moses. Go confront the most powerful man in the world and tell him, let my people go. And I'm going to start a new community that's going to give hope to the world. And you're going to be the beginner of it. But you've got to trust in me. God reveals himself to Daniel. I want you to defy the king. I want you to pray even though there's a rule against it. And I want you to go to the lion's dead. And I'm going to shut the mouths of lions. But you're going to have to trust me. Jesus said one day to a rich young ruler, I want you to go and sell everything you've got, all of your riches. I want you to empty your whole portfolio, your bank account, give it to the poor, bless their lives, come follow me, and we'll do life together. It'll be the greatest adventure of a lifetime, but you've got to trust me. And sometimes people did. When people trust God, they never regret it. You'll never find anybody in the scripture that says, I trusted God, I put my faith in him, and I'm so sorry that I did that. You never find that. But sometimes people say no. And the rich young ruler said no to Jesus. And I often wonder, I wonder if he lived to be an old man, or if he just got richer and richer, if that young, rich ruler became an old, rich ruler, and he looked back, and he remembered when that young carpenter, that young rabbi from Nazareth came and asked him, challenged him, to give away everything to follow him. I wonder if he ever thought about that moment and wondered, how may have life turned out if I had just said yes? I wonder how things would have turned out way back when, when I was young, and I could have said yes and trusted that young rabbi. You see, if you give in to a mindset of fear, you will find yourself at the end of your life comfortable maybe, filling up your days, acquiring things, or watching television. But the thought will come to you, what might have been? What might have been if I had trusted God? What might I have done? What might I have become? And you'll discover you spend a whole life waiting to live. So more often than God commands anything else, God commands, fear not. And then he tells us why. He says, God says, fear not. For I'm with you. I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you, God says. And there is nothing that you and I cannot do together. 
Jesus never got tired of teaching about this. Jesus would say to people, my advice to you wouldn't be to worry about what you're going to eat and drink and wear and what's going to happen tomorrow. Just look at the birds. They don't toil or spin, and your Father cares for them. Look at the flowers in the field, the way uh, that more important, and you're way more important than birds and flowers. So my advice to you is don't worry. Fear not. I am with you. And you can live in faith, not fear, because God is with you. Regardless of the circumstances. God is with you. Years ago, there was a movie, kind of a documentary. It hardly had any words in it, almost no words in the whole film. And it was called The Bear. And it was the story of this little bear cub whose mom dies in an accent very early on in the movie. So it's quite apparent that this bear is not going to make it on its own. And then much to your and the little bear's surprise, this great big giant Kodiak daddy bear comes along and kind of adopts the little cub. And they do life together all throughout the film. He teaches little bear cub how to live, how to grub for insects, how to fish in the stream, how to scratch himself against the big rough bark tree when his back itches. And little cub does everything he says, uh, sees uh, his dad doing. And then one day, they get separated from each other. And the little cub is all on his own. And all throughout the movie, there's a mountain lion who's been tracking what's going on ever since the mother bear died. And the mountain lion has now been waiting for just this moment, this circumstance. So the camera shows the little bear cub and then the mountain lion as they get closer and closer and closer together. And then there's this stream in the forest and they meet at the stream right there and the mountain lion is ready to pounce. And you can hardly stand to watch what's going to happen and you just are afraid to see what happens. In fact, why don't we just watch what happens right now? Take a look at the screen. I just love that, that, that little scene from the, the film and everything. Because even though little baby bear doesn't recognize it, couldn't see him, hear him, touch him, feel him, smell him, father was there all the time. He was never out of the presence of his father, and he was just as face, safe as he could be. That's what Jesus wanted everyone to know. Whatever it is that you've gone through, there is no power on earth that can separate you from the love and care and protection of God. This is right at the core of the gospel that Jesus proclaimed. Jesus came to live on this earth and to teach, and then he died on the cross, freeing us from Satan, sin, and self, was resurrected again to ensure and guarantee for us forever that by this free gift of grace, it is possible for you and I to live in the reality and in the presence and power of God. And there is nothing, not loss, not failure, not rejection, not loneliness, not cancer, not COVID, not sickness, not death itself. There is nothing that has the power 
to separate you from the love and care of the Father in this world and in the world to come. God says, I am with you. And if that's really true, what do you have to be afraid of? If that's really true, what could hold you back from putting your faith, your trust, your allegiance, with utter abandonment to God and God alone? Put your faith over fear. Put your faith in God. Let's pray. Our Father God, thank you for being the God that isn't a distant God, a God that doesn't hear, a God that doesn't see, but one who does, the God who wants to be with each and every one of us in every moment of the day. You want to be with us. God, thank you for loving us so much that you revealed yourself through your Son, came to this earth, who lived, who showed us how to live a life of faith, walking hand in hand with you, and then went to the cross, giving of his life, so that we can be free to live the life that you have for us to live. Thank you, God, for having faith in us. And God, I pray that if there is anyone here this morning who has not given their trust, their loyalty over to you this morning, Lord, I pray that this be the morning that they put their faith, their lives in your hands. Pray this now in Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name. Amen.